I am an artist living in beautiful Vermont, USA, and I have a lot of questions. So I engage the minds of the people that I meet, poets, writers, artists. I explore what's inside and share it with you. My name is Ricky McEachran, and I am eager to know. I'm here with Ryan Matthew, who is an overall creative being who is curious about the world. That's kind of an interesting um, intro, but uh, we kind of approved it ahead of time. Welcome to Eager to Know. Thanks, man. It's great to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you. Um, that's that, As I mentioned, that is a little bit of an interesting int uh, intro. We did a preliminary get-to-know-you conversation, and I thought that that seemed like a nice way to to introduce you to my audience. Um, the way that we got connected was through my TM teachers, who are your TM teachers as well. Yep. And uh, they, so TM is something that I've been studying for about a year. They had shared a video from one of their clients or whatever we're called, who had stopped doing TM for a period and that they had a bad experience and they wanted to share with us, I guess as a warning. Uh, but you were the guy on the video and I just thought that I saw the video and I'm thinking this guy looks interesting and I think I want to talk to him about um, get to know him better. So again, welcome. Let's talk Thanks. about TM. Where, when did you start it and what problem were you trying to solve that you thought TM would be the solution? Yeah, so I started it about four years ago. Jack and Karen can confirm. may have been less time than that. Um, but it was really, I normally I'll hear things or see things like three times, and then I'll be like, all right, I got to try that. So it was like I was listening to another podcast, and they brought up TM. And I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. And they were talking about all the benefits of anxiety and uh, the pressure that we feel in our daily lives, how it can help alleviate that, and all the thoughts that go along with that. And so I was like, all right, that sounds interesting. And then I was reading a book and it was in there too. And then I heard it on a third podcast okay. and I, and I was like, all right, this is, I got to try this. The universe is trying to tell you something. Basically. Yeah. That's, that's kind of how I look at things when I, when they come across my path three or more times, I'm yeah. like, all right, I'm getting a nudge. Um, so yeah, I guess the problem I was trying to solve was just the overall, the, the things that resonated with me was the pressure that I was feeling from the world, the thoughts, the anxiety, the emotions that was coming up in my life. And it just seemed like I was being guided towards this tool and it has proven to be a really effective tool. For now, had you tried other meditation techniques previously and then you had a success with TM or was this your first time trying meditation? It was the second form of meditation that I tried. So I, I started off with an app called Headspace, mm -hmm. which is great if you're like just getting into it. They give you like little 10 minute meditations. It's mostly centered around connecting with your body and your breath. Um, and that was like a good gateway. But then when I came across TM, it was like, okay, this is like a really structured practice with a like an agenda almost behind it. Like this, there's certain aspects of healing that it brings to your life. And I was like super curious about that. Um, and so, yeah, that was, it was my second form of meditation. Okay. Now you do, so TM, you're supposed to do it twice a day. So mm -hmm. I assume, are you adhering to that? Now, yes. You are, okay. Yeah. And um, when did you start seeing results? And what were, what were those results? 
I mean, it was pretty instantaneous, honestly, because when we're, when you're learning TM, you know, it's like four or five days of meditating every day. Um, it was pretty instantaneous. The, the biggest result that I saw in the beginning was how much energy and focus I had after meditation. So mm. like in my daily activities in between meditations, I was just so laser focused that nothing was pulling my attention elsewhere. So okay. I was able to get a lot more done. Um, and the long-term benefits I got was an overall sense of peace and kind of contentment. I hesitate to use that word, but like peace and we'll just stick with peace. Yeah. Overall sense of peace in my life. Okay. Now you mentioned thoughts. Now do those thoughts that, that were causing you pressure, do you still have those thoughts, but you're just able to look at them in a new way? Or can you tell me about that? I have them, but I just observe them now. Mm. So it's just like, oh, there's the thought, you know? And like they teach that in a lot of forms of meditation. I've studied like Buddhist meditation. I haven't done it, but it's just like, oh, there's a thought. And it's just like, I'm able to observe it from an outside place instead of having it kind of wash over me mm. and like take over my actions and stuff. Um, and even in meditation, if you're learning, you know that like, thoughts coming into meditation are actually thoughts like clearing out of your system. So when a thought comes in during meditation, it doesn't mean you're doing meditation wrong. It's like actually doing its thing of like processing that thought and being like, all right, that's just going to pass on through and then we're going to be good. Yeah. You know, I think the, uh, so I've been obviously pr meditating for about, doing TM for about a year. And I would say that is also one of the things that I have noticed is I am, I used to be, consumed by my thoughts and feelings like I thought that was my life mm -hmm. that was and you you thought it was I you. thought that was me yeah, I thought yeah. that and, and I remember thinking well that's odd because I feel like my life is a disaster because I'm feeling that way but yesterday I felt fine and mm. my life hasn't changed so like that's that's curious mm. and it wasn't until I took TM uh, started practicing TM where I was removed a few steps from my thoughts and feelings and I was observing them. And I think that that is such a powerful um, way to be yeah. because it sort of allows you to be your true self and whatever that may be. And we'll talk about what your true self is, mm -hmm. but you know what I mean? Like uh, it, because thoughts and feelings really get in the way of making the best decisions and um, be in being productive and doing what you're good at. Yeah, you're it, talking about your thoughts and feelings controlling you instead yes. of you controlling your thoughts and feelings. Yeah. It's like, and you're right, most people's lives are a shit show because, oh, can I say that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, we'll just have to now air this after 9 p.m. Oh, okay. No, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, most people's lives are a mess because their thoughts and their feelings are running their life instead of the other way around. Yeah. So I feel like this allows you to be, this and other things that I do, but like, this allows me to be the observer and the experiencer. Yeah. I can feel what's going on, but I can observe it from a different place and then choose from there instead of basically being at the mercy of the thoughts and feelings that are rushing my system. Yeah. And one other thing, we can, uh, we can move beyond this, but I think it's important that having feelings and thoughts that aren't always the best, there's nothing like wrong with that. Right. And that's, that doesn't mean that if you feel like your life is a disaster, it doesn't necessarily mean that your life is a disaster. Right. And, and the fact that you feel that doesn't even mean that there's something wrong with you. Like that's just part of being a human. 
we feel these things all the time. So, um, but let's let's get, one of the things that, that is important aspect to TM is, and I hope I get the terminology right, is switching between um, like meditating and then being active. Is mm -hmm. that the word? So it's not about meditating and then just sitting around and being in a relaxed state all day. The whole thing about it is you do it and then you go into your actual world. And it's that change between meditating and actually going into the world. Because you're not supposed to do it like right before you go to bed. You're Correct. supposed to do it like first thing in the morning when you're getting ready to do stuff. And then say early afternoon when you have a remainder of the day that you still need to be productive. Mm -hmm. So it's actually, um, so where was I going with this? Um, I, now I lost my it's, train it's, of thought. Yeah, it's about the active. So like that's something that resonated with me about the technique in general was like, okay, this is actually, the whole point of this is to help me get more stuff done right. more efficiently, Yes, which is what I loved about it. Okay. So let's talk about that stuff. So what is the stuff that you want to be doing that TM is helping you? <laughs> There's a lot of stuff I don't actually want to be doing that I, that it helps me with too, like laundry and house chores and you know, crap like that. Okay. Um, but one of the things, I mean, it helps me in my job. My job is a very stressful job. My, my regular job, I do lightning protection. Yeah. And it's just like, it's so, you're working with all these different trades and you're going, you're driving two hours to each job every day. And then you're working at height constantly, you know, you're above everybody else on the job site or working these lifts. So I feel like it helps me handle the stress about it. There's a lot of stuff I need to think about during my day. And when I meditate in the morning before I go to work, and then I do it on my lunch break at work too, like in the afternoon, it helps me to really like, just like I do with my own thoughts, observe all these things that are happening and then choose which one is the priority. Choose, you know, what I want to do in this moment that I'm in now, rather than having it all pile onto me and being like, oh my God, all this stuff is going on. Like we do with our thoughts, you know, mm -hmm. thoughts come in. It's just like, oh my God. Most of the time our life isn't even a mess. Our life is actually fine and our brains are such good problem solvers when they don't have a problem to solve, they try to create one. And so I feel like TM helps with that. You're able to observe that from afar. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Now I know that you have a create a creative aspect to yourself. Yeah. Um, is you know, I know you do poetry, writing, music. Is the is tell me about that and how being in a not being consumed by your thoughts and feelings um, is a better space to be a creative person. Yeah. So when I over the course of writing music, which I've been doing since I was 16, I have forced many songs and they're terrible. When I clear out and I'm able to come from this kind of empty space where I'm able to observe all this stuff but not be overtaken by it, I will write an amazing song in 10 minutes, really. And then like over the next hour or two, I'll refine it and I'll change little things here and there based on my style and what I like. But the foundation of it comes out quick. The foundation of it, like I will write an entire two verses, bridge, chorus, uh, you know, musical interlude will all come through in 10 minutes. And then I just refine it from there. So it's like you become an open channel for creativity and it just flows right out. And those are always my best songs. Nice. And do you think that's because you are a creative being at heart or do you think, and this is a tough question, but do you think any everyone is like this? Or do you think this is a Ryan thing? 
I think we all have a creative side and a very structured side. Okay. Um, and I think that when we can marry those two together, we become an unstoppable force of creative and structured energy. So like, but I, but I do believe that this is absolutely attainable for any person on this planet. Maybe not through TM because we're all different and different yeah. practices work for everybody. But I do believe that, yes, it's, it's in the shamanic world, they call it being a hollow bone. And so you're basically, you're emptying out of all your crap and allowing, you could call it spirit or God or consciousness or whatever you want to call it, to flow through you and create that art. So you feel like something is flowing through you as opposed to it's something that's coming out, originating from you? It's both. Okay. It's both. Yeah. All it's right. kind of hard to explain. Okay. Well, I'm, cu <laughs> I'm curious because I sort of feel like for me, it's more like, I'm kind of processing stuff that I observe as a creative person. And then it's, I feel like it's coming from inside of me as opposed to flowing through me. But that's just my experience. So it's interesting that yours is a little bit different. I feel the same sometimes. It's, it's like I've experienced both of those. So, and, and I've actually struggled with disconnecting from or, or like feeling disconnected from the creator. And I've had my coaches call me out on that and be like, you know, this is you, you know, like you can give yourself some credit here. It's not just something flowing through you. But I've also experienced it where it's like, oh, my God, this song needs to be written. And it's and it just comes right out. And it's like, I don't even do anything. I don't even know what I'm writing on the page in those moments. Hmm. And then I and then it's it's there. And I have this tune that I wrote alongside of it. And I'm just like, oh, my God, this is crazy. And it's almost like I in my experience, I bypassed the whole experience of writing it. And it was just like written for me. And then mm -hmm. I get to play this thing. And you have all these songs. All of them. Yeah. Like 35 them. songs or something that are that I feel are okay to put out to the public. But I've written hundreds and hundreds of songs. Hundreds of songs. So yeah. you said you started when you were 16. Yeah. Did that start with poetry? Did they all kind of work together? It started with poetry when I was younger, younger. Like I probably started writing poetry when I was seven or eight. So tell me about that. Like, where did that come from? And were you, what, what did that look like? That was an outlet, honestly. That was like, uh, you know, my parents had a very strained relationship. I think we can all resonate with the broken home kind of, you know, thing that is super prevalent now, especially. Um, but I had a, you know, we were kind of poor. And then there was all kinds of relational tension with my parents. And so, and then I was being bullied in school. So it was kind of an outlet of like, Hey, here's my the pain that I'm going through, and so, I would write it through poetry. So the outlets, I want to hear what this outlet looked like. So you would, were you at recess writing? Were you coming home and? I would do it instead of doing my schoolwork in class. <laughs> and you would be writing. Was it a rhymy poem mm -hmm. or was it just thoughts? Always rhyming. And would you share them with people? Uh, no, I don't think so. Not until I got older, um, and I guess I felt like. I think when I was 13 or 14 was probably the first time I shared it with people. And that was actually the time when my parents actually got divorced. So maybe that had something to do with it. So seven is second grade? I believe so. So yeah. second, third grade, you're relating all these poems. What did you do with them? <laughs> Honestly, I don't know. I probably just shoved them in a notebook somewhere, right. which I don't have anymore. I don't have any of those old poems anymore. Did you get exposed to poetry through like Dr. Seuss, like Hop on Pop or... Or do you remember how you even got in, were aware of poetry? 
No, I don't. I honestly, I can't remember. I, I remember be, being exposed to Dr. Seuss and stuff. So I would assume that that's probably where the rhyming came from. Right. Um, yeah, probably. Right. probably. Well, I'm going to give you a home, uh, a homework assignment. Okay. If you, uh, if you look behind you, there is uh, Frederick, poet Frederick Spears. Okay. He is yep. episode eager to know 88. Um, and I want you to, you need to listen to my conversation with I'll him. I'll watch it on YouTube. Uh, no, that one's audio only. Oh, okay. So, All right. Sorry. <laughs> That's um, but yeah, he because we talk a lot about how he started very young like that, and it was very interesting. So I cool. would be, I would like for you to to, to listen to that. Okay. So then, home. where did where did um, music? So you kind of have poetry, and then I feel like music isn't is kind of an extension of that. I assume you were observing pop music and things like that. Honestly, no. Um, I, did, I wasn't even really into music until I was in my teens. So right at 13 or 14 years old, when all this kind of big shift was happening, my parents were getting divorced. Um, I was like starting to share my poetry. I hurt my back. And up until that point, I was playing sports. Um, you know, every sport that I get my hands on, football, basketball, baseball, uh, soccer. And I hurt my lower back. I, I bulged out two discs i was in the hospital for like a week and basically my sports days were over after that um my chiropractor got me back to walking and doing you know things but i couldn't play sports because any sudden jerking motion would you know negatively affect my back so i was like oh my god what am i gonna do with my time and at 14 years old i was pumping gas as my full-time job after school uh in new jersey and my my supervisor my foreman at the gas station was a guitar teacher and I was telling him about my woes and like, oh, I just hurt my back. I can't play sports. Like I can't even be a kid anymore. What am I going to do? And he's like, you should play guitar, man. And he's this like hippie guy with long hair and long fingernails for finger picking. And, uh, and I was just like, uh, I don't know, maybe. And then he gave me a guitar. It was like this super cheap guitar or whatever, but he like brought it to work. Acoustic? Yeah. Okay. And he like brought it to work a couple days later. And he was like, here, just just take this and mess around with it and tell really, me. That was a really generous thing. Really nice, yeah. Um, and then I ended up taking guitar lessons from him. So he got his money back. Uh, okay. um, but, but it really, I took lessons for about six months. And then I ended up just messing around with it for, I don't know, a year and a half, two years after that point. And then I got in my first band. So I was in choir my whole, this is probably how music came into the poetry too, is I was in choir my whole life. Uh, in school. And so uh, I think some friend of mine was like, Hey, you sing, right? And I was like, yeah, I can sing. And he's like, you should come in my band. Mm -hmm. And I was like, all right, cool. And it ended up being with some people that I had played baseball with. And <laughs> we ended up kicking this kid out that brought me into the band because we didn't like his style of music, which was kind of funny. Like he brought me in and then the next day later, <laughs> we're like, yeah, well, you're not in the band anymore. <laughs> it's kind of messed up. Um, but it, but it was like, that's kind of how it all happened. It was like I was given this guitar, and it was just like, man, this is so cool. Took some lessons, really started to grow into it, and then I got offered to be in this band, and me and the drummer of this band played music together all up until very recently. We just ended our last music project together. Right. Now, you, music for you right now is what? Tell me about what, what's going on with you musically. Uh, so basically, I've, I'm coming into like a rebirth right now where I was in a band called Full Shine, and we were like really putting everything into this. Um, and then our creativity started to clash and we were business partners and we've been friends for a long time. Um, and we just started to have a lot of disagreements. And so I decided that in order to save our friendship, it would be best to 
not be business partners because we couldn't agree on anything, it seemed. Um, Cre- creatively. Creatively and like business strategy-wise. Okay. Yeah. So it was just kind of an all-around we like influxed it with all this energy. And then when it came down to brass tacks and we had to make things happen, everything was in disagreement. Okay. So, so now it's basically me, uh, I have like a photo shoot scheduled and stuff like that, but Ryan Matthews coming out onto the scene as a solo artist. Um, and basically all the songs that I had written for that band, I'm re-recording to mix with the style that I'm creating now, which is like a mixture of blues, hip hop, rock, country, R&B, it's like a pretty cool medley of all those genres. And those 30 songs that like came through and came out of you, are they part of this? What's what we're going to yeah. be hearing? Yeah, I mean, most of them have not been recorded yet. I've recorded uh, like 12 of them, but they're all getting revamped now to basically meld into this new style that I've created through this like rebirthing process of my inner musician, I guess you could say. When do you think that you're going to be releasing this stuff? So I'll be releasing two singles later on this year, um, probably in September, October, um, and then hopefully going to have an entire like 13 or 14 song album done by middle of next year. All right. Now, when you're creating an album, do you think of each song individually? Does everything relate? And the reason why I ask this, I know as an artist, I paint. And I would like to, I try to have um, diversity in my show when I have a show Mm -hmm. as much as possible. Although my last one didn't really have it. But I like to, I think of it as like an album Mm -hmm. where like a artist will release an album and they kind of have different things that are going on. Um, So is that how you do it or do you try to get everything to relate? No, I like the diversity too. I, I like there's going to be a couple slow songs in this album. There's going to be a couple really poppy songs in this album. There's going to be a couple really like darker kind of country songs. And I think that just like speaks to the totality of the human experience, right? Like we're not this one, like I can't stand albums that all sound the same mm-hmm. <laughs> because we're not just one thing. It's so much more than that. Mm-hmm. And like I, so I, with this album that I'm creating now, which is I've been creating for the last year and a half and it's going to take me another year and a half to bring it to fruition. It's like, I, I want to show people the totality of my human experience. Mm. And so maybe they can resonate with, you know, their totality of their human experience, because we all tend to operate within these like really thin blinders or like tunnel vision almost in our lives. And like, I, what I want to do, part of what I want to do in my life is inspire people to see there's so much more than what we think is what we're here to do or who we're here to be. Yeah. So you think people live in a world that's smaller than it it could be? A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I agree. I agree with you. Um, and it sounds like you're someone that likes to try new things and do new things. Yeah. So sure. that's definitely um, that's how it shows shows up for you. Yeah. Uh, well, that's wonderful. I feel like creating music with lyrics is um, it sounds like a great way to express who you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like there's a lot of a lot of things that you have. I'm just thinking about like being a painter and what I have at my disposal, um, and I'm also taking piano lessons, so I'm learning oh, about great. music. So I'm realizing the fact that, and of course, when you're taking piano lessons, it's all classical music, so mm-hmm. there's no lyrics generally. But as a the type of stuff that it sounds like you're doing, you actually have the rhythm and the pattern. You have the melody. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then because of the times that we live in, the access that you have to instruments and synthesizers, I'm, I'm assuming, oh, yeah. you have the, the, the feel that you can um, bring forth. But then you also have the lyrics. So you can actually tell a story with the words and with the score, so to speak. So that is a lot. That's my biggest thing is the lyrics. Yeah. That's my like, that's what I hope people pay attention to because my whole life is wrapped into those lyrics mm. and it all comes through actual experience. Like listen to songs on the radio today. There's no depth to it whatsoever. And so I'm trying to bring back that depth, you know, like the poetry of the music of the 1970s, 80s, like thinking about Pink Floyd or Led Zeppelin or um, Queen is a huge one. The level of poetry and life experience that were wrapped in those lyrics and the energy that went into those songs because of that is nothing close to what we're seeing in music today in the mainstream, in my opinion. And so that's what I'm trying to bring back in is that depth of the human experience. What would be the best case scenario if you wrote one of these songs that you wrote and you found out that someone made a connection with it? Like, what would they tell you that you would be like, yes, my job is done? <laughs> so probably the best thing that could happen is if somebody were like, dude, I heard your song and I listened to it over and over and I cried my eyes out for days and I feel like a new person after that experience. And music can do that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I had an experience come out of my lower back. I'm studying somatics and how our bodies hold on to trauma and stuff like that. And I had an experience come out of my lower back during a massage while a certain song was playing. And I listened to that song over and over for the next three, four days. And so much emotion came out of me. It was not <laughs> even funny. So I actually want to write that guy a letter and be like, hey, man, this is what your song did for me. Because that's what I would want as a musician. You need to. Yeah, yeah. you tell us your other homework assignment. You yeah. write that guy a letter. <laughs> what was the first one? It was to watch Frederick Spears. Oh, right. You get to know episode 88. 88. I'll remember 88. Um... Wow. So it really sounds like music is just a whole new powerful platform world, a way to express. Now I can see why people really get into it so much. Yeah. I'm here to move people. Yeah. I want to move people, move their energy, move emotion through their body and have them be immersed in their own experience and mine. Okay. Well, it sounds like you are someone that has, as I mentioned, a lot of, you're, you're a very passionate person. Um, it sounds like things happen and you, you happen in your life, opportunities happen, and you're very engaged yes. with what is going on. And I love that we started this conversation talking about TM because people can be um, able to be get, people that get activated like that can get overwhelmed too and that that can be that that's one of the problems with being a creative person is because oftentimes creative people and people who are living a creative life they're really feeling a lot and they're feeling feeling intense um, thoughts feelings and that is wonderful because you can transform that um, into music into all sorts of things Um, And I'm really happy that we got to talk because talking about the TM and how that can help people help as it helped you and helped me 
um, be able to still be a productive, creative person mm -hmm. and still living in a world and experiencing thoughts and feelings that are part of the creative process. So yeah. it's kind of like a way to help manage it. Yeah, it's like, you know, you see a lot of stories from these ultra creative people. And, you know, I'm not going to say TM would have saved them, but a practice to help kind of ground that energy is absolutely necessary in my opinion because it can be so overwhelming and then you're just like i don't even know what real life is i'm creating this over here that's real life but it's really not and so i think it really helps to calm the you know extreme creativity gets you into a certain part of your brain and there's a structured part of your brain that can kind of contain that and so i think it's really important to have practices and stuff to set yourself up to succeed yeah and also, I think, you know, you alluded to the fact that people live in a small lane in their life. And I think that um, it could help people to maybe look at some other lanes yeah. and see that the world is, um, there's a lot of different new things to experience and learn and take risks and try new things. Um, because trying new things, you're, you know, is associated with fear, fear of failure actual failure and picking mm -hmm. yourself up and keep going that's part of it and if you are being um, weighed down um, by thoughts and feelings it's really hard to to go through that process yeah. of failing and, pick, and picking yourself up which is one of the things that you have to go through to try something new well ryan thank you so much for uh taking the trip over here to bellows falls and uh this is the first time we met in mm -hmm. person and um this was fantastic yeah, I agree. It's a pleasure being here. Thank All you. Right. My name is Ricky McGeckrin, and you have been listening to Eager to Know, the podcast. If you haven't already, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Eager to Know podcast.